0: Welcome to our Bracket Breakdown as part of this year's NCAA Tournament. We will be discussing the Midwest region. And I'll be honest, there kind of is a lot of chalk here. I'll get into why I think we are going to be closer to chalk in this uh, region. But just to uh, walk through... We've got the overall number two seed in the Houston Cougars. Now, here's the thing, and many of you probably didn't even watch Houston this year because they play in the American Athletic Conference, uh, which essentially is what Conference USA was, um, give or take a couple of different teams, but long story short uh the Houston Cougars are 31-3 Calvin Sampson a longtime college basketball coach has basically turned this into a regular force in the uh, the southeast region um you know in terms of what you've got with this Cougars team they are in the top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency according to Kempom which is the predominant ranking systems uh, for uh, uh, college statistics Uh, you know Houston made the final four in 21 they were in the sweet 16 last year they you know again while they have lost when they've been in that top spot uh, you know Again, it's been a hot potato in terms of uh, teams ranked in the top three this year. But, you know, if you look at their strength of schedule, uh, it was a close come-from-behind win by Alabama, which is the overall number one seed in the tournament, for those of you who do not know. Uh, they had a random loss uh, against Temple, which you know again uh, was uh, a bit of a head scratcher. But you know we've had a lot of <laughs> we've had a lot of uh, <laughs> weird games this year. I-, I told you, teams that were in the top <laughs> uh, this year just lost randomly when they were in that. Uh, Either the ones, uh, overall number one ranked team were in the uh, top two. Uh, there were just some random losses. Uh, so, Houston being one of them against Temple. And then, you know, they did lose their conference title game uh, against Memphis. But that was also uh, a case where uh, one of their... Uh, and actually, I shouldn't say one of uh He is their best player. Marcus Sasser uh, was sidelined with a groin strain. Now, Sasser's status, uh, they're saying he should be ready for the tournament. We're going to go with that. But realistically, they're not going to need him for the first game. uh, Just in terms of uh, what they're going to be matching up with against Northern Kentucky. Uh, They'll need him in that second round matchup. Uh, So essentially you've got a couple of days for him to uh, get somewhat healthy because I still believe that when it comes right down to it, you know, Houston, they they are ranked uh, as a favorite to win it all for a good reason. Again, those statistics from an offensive-defensive standpoint, they have a good tempo, they score points, they can defend, they're pretty good all around. I don't have a glaring flaw with uh, Houston to really pick apart, yeah, uh, is the Sasser injury a concern? Of course, but when you look at the overall rankings, they're the number one team even though they're not the overall number one seed from a stat standpoint, they are the number one team. Uh, uh, They don't have the best strength to schedule, but given the region that they're uh, lined up in, I don't think there's going to be that much for them to be concerned about. As I said, they uh, start off against Northern Kentucky. That's not the issue. The eight, nine matchup is one where I think plays to their favor because 8 9 matchup is going to be between Iowa and Auburn. And if you look at what uh, Iowa is, uh, I mean, in terms of what they've done in the Big Ten, you know, offensive wise, uh, they're one of the best in the country. Defensive wise, they're one of the worst in the country uh, to actually have made the tournament. Uh, I don't necessarily see. Iowa being the matchup, I think they lose to Auburn. But, if they were able to pull off a win against Auburn, I think they get dunked on by Houston. I don't see that being a difficult matchup. Now, uh, Auburn, on the other hand, it's an interesting case. Because, if you look at the body of work, uh, you know... I, I want to say you know the 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 thing. Oh, actually, I should say this about Iowa too. Um, that made their record so strange is that Iowa had some of the worst losses in the of, of all the tournament teams that have made the tournament. They were eleven nine in the Big Ten. They, you know. Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Ohio State were all miserable this year. And Iowa went 1-6 against them. And they got knocked out early by Ohio State. Now, did they... And actually, Iowa is the team that got in over Rutgers. And the only reason why I can say that Rutgers didn't get in is because Iowa essentially got in over them. is because they uh they they uh swapped the season series against uh Rutgers this year and I think that's why Rutgers didn't make it in. Because the numbers for Iowa and I know he, they got in as an eight seed, but the seeding this is a whole nother thing that I don't wanna dwell upon with the selection committee. They throw out these seedings but the seedings themselves don't make a ton of sense Uh, Part of it is because they go by geographic region. Part of it, you know, they say they don't care about TV, but they do care about TV. Uh, We'll get into some of the potential matchups, like in some of the other brackets, where you've got a lot of TV-friendly matchups in Duke's region. Um, But uh, we'll get to that a little bit later um, in another episode. But uh, yeah, Iowa's record realistically. I'm not even sure why they're in the tournament. (laughs) It's like, uh, they just, you know, they score points. I mean, Chris Murray is a legit scorer. Um, He's the twin brother of Keegan Murray who plays for the Sacramento Kings. You know, they can score. But, you know, the uh, issue with Auburn and... I don't know what is going on with uh, you know there's just like a weird vibe with this Auburn team because Auburn got off to a hot start this year and then cooled off dramatically because I think they won their first 16 out of 18 games this year and ended up 20-12. and Now The weird part about this is the fact that Auburn essentially plays decent defense, but statistically, I thought they would have actually ranked higher than what they actually are. Uh, Because from a statistical standpoint, Auburn's only 29th in the country in uh, adjusted defensive rankings. I honestly thought they were going to be higher than that. Uh, so, this is a weird one, because I look at it from the standpoint of, it's an 8-9 matchup. Auburn, if you look at the statistical rankings uh, with Ken Palm, they're the 29th ranked team uh, in the country. Iowa's 37th. And again, it's because of how poor Iowa is defensively. Auburn, again... I thought they would have been higher ranked defensively, but offensively they're ranked 48th. They can score points. The issue I see with Iowa is the fact that I think Auburn's going to be able to uh, get enough easy baskets, which has been part of their bugaboo with uh, some of the losses they've had is when they go cold offensively, they go cold and Especially from three point range. They're not a good three point uh shoot, shooting team. And so again, they don't have Jabari Smith anymore who uh was uh an NBA draft pick uh uh and and ended up on uh ended up on the Rockets and having a solid year. But you know, it's it's a little weird. It's like I don't love this opportunity. That's why I, I kinda look at this eight nine matchup and I just say whoever Houston gets, they're gonna win. Uh, I don't, I don't really have a ton of concern about Houston uh, starting off this tournament. I, I think they get through the opening weekend, and I don't think it's necessarily much of a concern there. I, I, I'll be, I'll be very surprised if uh, uh, Houston gets dropped early. You know, I know some people like uh, calling for. Upsets early. I don't think Houston. uh, Houston's the team you want to be uh, uh, playing that game against, uh, because I definitely look at uh, their chances. And again, this is kind of talking about the region itself. You've got Houston uh, as the one seed. Next up, you got uh, in that uh, next half of the top of the draw. You got Miami against Drake. The ACC was bad this year, folks. And we'll, we'll talk about Duke, uh, eventually, but the ACC was bad. You know, Duke knocked off, uh, Duke won the, uh, the ACC championship, but Miami, you know, for all intents and purposes was the best team in the ACC, uh, and won the regular season in the ACC with a 15 to five record. That's how they got into the tournament. Um. You know, they are essentially the 12th best team or 13th best team in terms of offensive efficiency, but they actually aren't really good in terms of one single category. It's it's one of the weirdest stats I've ever seen in terms of uh, a tournament profile where essentially Miami... Is ranked twelve, but they don't actually. They don't actually have great numbers uh, per se. When you actually start looking into some of the details as to what they do particularly well, um, they're just not awful on in any particular aspect of offense. So from field goal shooting, three point shooting, um, they're not bad, but they're not. They don't excel at anything in particular, and the other piece of it is, much like Iowa, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And the the funny thing is, Miami is actually worked ranked uh, worked uh, ranked worse than Iowa. Uh, as I said, Iowa was thirty seventh, and uh, by the statistical measures, Miami was fortieth. And I'll bring up records again because that is the biggest snub. You have, because Rutgers was ranked 35th by the stats. Oklahoma State was ranked 38th. They were right there, too, and could have slotted into this region. I just look at it from the standpoint of Miami, not great defensively. They're not great from a tempo standpoint. They don't play particularly fast. They're not slow either, but um, they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're not a great uh, drive to the basket and get high percentage uh, uh, field goal type of team. They're, they they kind of rely on other teams to make mistakes. That's what has me concerned. Because in this opening round, they're going to be playing against Drake. And they uh, Drake essentially rolled through the Missouri Valley Conference. And... The uh, truth, uh, truth of the matter is uh, uh, Darren DeVries might be the best player in the game, uh, uh, if you can believe it. I, I, The weird part about Miami is that I don't see anyone that's necessarily a difference maker that is going to be, you know, again, Isaiah Wong. Uh, was the ACC player of the year, but, you know, he was only averaging about 16 points a game. He's not a big time scorer. Uh, yeah, he can he can hit some open three pointers, and he's a decent free throw shooter, but he's not a, a shot volume guy. I worry about a, a Miami here in his first game, matchup against Drake, and the sports books are kind of with me here because Miami's only favored by two points over. Uh, the 12 seed in Drake it's it's a weird it's a weird scenario because again from the standpoint Drake's about uh uh 44 in the country in terms of overall defensive efficiency and they're not a great shooting team which is why uh, their offense efficiency is just uh Uh, shy of a hundred, a hundredth in the country. But the issue I kind of look at is that, you know, they are not uh, inefficient with the ball. Uh, You know, they only average about 10 turnovers a game. And if you turn the ball over less than 14 times in in an NCAA uh, March Madness game, you're going to be in pretty good shape. I kind of look at Drake as the potential upset uh, in the region here in the early rounds. Uh, Some of these other matchups, yeah, they're going to be close, but I just look at Miami and it worries me that they're not elite at any particular position and you've got a decent defensive team in Drake to match up with them. This could be just one of those grinded out games where we're in the low 50s and... It wouldn't shock me if Drake pulled off the upset. Um, Certain builds, I'll still keep Miami. But in formats where you get the benefit of either the upset pick or just the uh, seed uh, being added to the pick uh, that you get correct, I think Drake has some value here um, as a dog. And it's a slim dog as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, some of the, Missouri Valley Conference teams in years past, but this is one of those cases where, you know, once, uh, Wichita State and Creighton left, uh, I mean, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference took a huge hit with those two teams, uh, leaving, but, you know, the ACC was bad this year, folks. I like, I, I can't, I can't mince words about it, um. So, it would not shock me if Miami uh, took a fall here. Alright, in terms of the other aspect of uh, 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 this uh, side of the draw, we'll talk about Indiana and Kent State. The Big Ten wasn't great. But, I will say, in terms of uh, Kent State and the MAC. You know, this is uh, the biggest thing you could say about Kent State. They can play, play tough. And I kind of look at this where you should expect Indiana to win. You should. But Kent State is 38th in the country in terms of defensive efficiency. The concern you would have... With Indiana. And the Hoosier Hoosier Nation is not going to be happy with me when I say this. I know the Hoosiers offensively, on paper, should be one of the best teams in the country. Uh, And they're ranked 27th by the efficiency standpoint. The area that gets me concerned with Indiana is the fact that it kind of comes down to Uh, uh Jalen Hood Shifino, uh was uh, essentially going to be <clears throat> uh, their best player. And by and large, it's been traced to Jackson Davis. Now, Jackson Davis usually ends up being pretty efficient in terms of uh, the offense. Shafino very talented freshman it's uh it's an interesting dynamic because they uh, they rely on Shafino quite a bit and it still comes down to Jackson Davis being able to uh, handle the load so they're gonna have to go with the one- two punch. Again, with the NCAA tournament and teams playing you tough, the thing that worries me about the Hoosiers is the fact that, you know, if they get into foul trouble for any reason, you could get into a very ugly-looking rock fight against Kent State, and, you know, I expect Indiana to win, but... It wouldn't shock me if you saw two upsets in the top half of this draw with uh, Drake and Kent State because of the defense. It, it, it These scream out as the kind of games that could surprisingly catch you off guard. Now, uh, Kent State is a four-point underdog. So, again, it's not a ton of separation here between the, uh, the two squads. So bad shooting night from indiana i could see them going home early it's not gonna be that big of a shock to me all right so uh we'll take a quick break but we'll get through uh the bottom half of the draw uh for the midwest and kind of walk through how i see the sweet 16 and elite eight matchups uh,
1: shaping up stay tuned don't go anywhere The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. We'll be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All
0: right, guys. We are back talking the Midwest region. And in the bottom half of this draw... The only thing I really want to say from an overall standpoint, the NCAA does do some really stupid things at times with how they seed teams, and it gets blatantly obvious. But one of the most egregious examples I've seen in years is this seeding for Texas A&M. Texas A&M is the seventh seed in the Midwest. A&M is the 25th ranked... uh, uh, I mean... They were ranked 25th overall from a statistical measure. They were the second best team in the SEC. Second best team in the SEC. Right behind Alabama. The NCAA has them ranked as the fourth best SEC team, even though they were second in the uh, SEC uh, regular season and uh, runner-up for the conference tournament. The fact that AM is ranked this low speaks to two things. One, they're trying to force that matchup between a and Texas in the second round uh, for the ratings, whatever. And B, they're trying to punish A&M for uh, ripping on the selection committee last year when they got snubbed. You know, you could look at it as a punitive measure, but I look at it from the standpoint of, they did no one else any favors in this region because when I look at the matchups, yes, is Texas a top team without question if the circumstances were aligned correctly. But the issue with Texas, above all else, is the fact that Chris Beard, the head, their head coach at the time, was arrested on domestic violence charges. And subsequently fired mid-season by the school. Texas is still operating without a true head coach this year. And they're just making do with what they got. You know, the truth of the matter is they didn't have a true coaching cycle to actually go through and find the guy. They're just trying to rough patch this. Now, the issue is they're going to handle Colgate more than likely. Uh, Colgate can put up a lot of points in the Patriot League. Different caliber of team that they're going up against in Texas. Uh, I mean, in terms of the Longhorns, this is one of the picks to win it all that, you know, again, between Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, Timmy Allen, like all these guys came in through the transfer portal Texas became revitalized overnight, and then the beer situation uh, broke out. Now, Texas is going to be well-rounded from both an offensive and defensive standpoint, but the weird aspect to this is I would pick Texas, and this is where I kind of look at this overall for the region. In terms of the bracket selection, I think it comes down to whether you have Houston going through to the Elite Eight. If not, the winner of the uh, the Midwest region has got to come from the winner of Texas and A&M. I don't see Penn State lasting against A&M. I think it's a terrible matchup for Penn State. Uh, Penn State had a nice run in the Big Ten uh, to finish... Uh, and get ranked it into the NCAA tournament because they were looking very weak uh, from a NCAA birth standpoint. They were the quintessential bubble team, uh, and as a ten seed in the Big Ten tournament, they probably um, were looking in that solid NIT range. They uh, they were not necessarily um, going to be in a good spot to make the tournament, but they had a good run in. The end, uh, in the Big Ten uh, tournament. And made it to the final. Uh, against. Uh, against Purdue. And Purdue almost lost that game. We'll talk about how Purdue almost lost that. Uh, Big Ten. Uh, championship game earlier. Uh, but. That's not for this uh, episode. But. Uh, you know. Penns they can get hot from three point range. Uh, they were chucking it. Uh, throughout the, the year. But. Uh, and, you know, they are 16th in offensive tempo. The issue that I see is, when you look at AM, they're 30th in offense and 37th in uh, defensive efficiency. The only team in that bracket that even matches up close in, in that bottom half of the bracket, that matches up close, is Texas. And same thing for Texas. They were 18th and 11th. The only team that matches up with them at all to make this a competitive matchup is a So, again, it's not to discredit uh, some of these other teams that we're going to talk uh, mention. Xavier had a good year pushing tempo, being offensively efficient. I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with... Uh, uh, a and M or Texas, I, I, I think that top half of the bottom draw is kind of dead to, uh, dead to rights. Um, Xavier, I expect to at least win a game in the tournament. Iowa State, uh, that kind of depends on who they get. Um, in the playing game, you've got the two eleven seeds. Uh, you got uh, Pitt, and you've got Mississippi State. Mississippi State has been kind of up and down and without question, uh, they are the worst three-point shooting team in the tournament. Uh, I don't even think this is a debate. Uh, Mississippi State shoots less than 27% from three-point range, which is not what you want for an NCAA tournament team. Uh, That being said, I think... Uh, Pitt massively overachieved this year with Jeff Capel. Uh, But, again, Pitt, you would expect them to be able to recruit better, but they just did not have great talent this year. And Capel did a pretty good job coaching up that Pitt team because they were expected to finish dead last in the ACC. But, you know, even though they went 14-6 in the ACC, I told you guys, I thought the ACC was not good this year. So, this pit team, I consider to be decidedly mediocre. So, even with the flaws of Mississippi State not being able to shoot uh, from beyond the arc, I still think they win the playing game. The awkward part about this is it sets up a, a dynamic where Mississippi State gets a game in, gets into a little bit of rhythm. You know, Iowa State... They play slow. <laughs> it's They are so slow. Uh, you know, in terms of tempo, uh, I forgot, what, where did we have uh, Iowa State ranked? It was one of the worst tempo teams. Yeah, they are 326th in the nation in tempo. I I, 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 I I want to say this again. They are 326 in tempo. The only team, and again, you could say this about Houston as well being slow. The issue is Houston is elite from an offensive efficiency standpoint. They're top 10 in offense and top 5 in defense. Iowa State, while they do have a an elite defense, they are decidedly average from an offensive standpoint. I worry about Iowa State losing a rock fight if they match up against Mississippi State. Now, if they get Pitt, I think they ragdoll Pitt because I can't see Pitt playing one physical matchup against Mississippi State and then going into yet another physical matchup against uh <clears throat> against Iowa state in less than three days it, 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 to me. I just think that it's calling on a lot for a pit squad that doesn't have a ton of depth. Um, but from an opening round standpoint, uh, Iowa state versus Mississippi state, uh, whew, that, that might be one of the least appealing games to actually watch, uh, uh, watch from a non-betting standpoint. Just because of the fact that... You know that's going to be one of the lowest scoring games of the tournament. Uh, I, I don't... You know, if that get, matchup happens... I really have a tough time seeing how that that matchup actually... Uh, I don't see how that game could possibly break 125. <laughs> it's like... like That that might be one of the, low, the lead lowest scoring game of the tournament. Um... Yeah, definite rock fight there. Uh, I just, I couldn't get uh, get into that one. But again, we'll see how the playing games uh, work out. But uh, Iowa State, uh, very awkward spot. But the winner of, uh, you know, again, if even if it's Pitt, I think they get overmatched by Xavier. Um, Iowa State, tempo too slow. Mississippi State can't shoot. I think it's Xavier and Texas A&M or Texas in that Sweet 16 matchup. The tough part about this is I like A&M and I like Texas. The NCAA screwed both of these squads, and Texas didn't, I mean, the players didn't deserve it. Like, it's their coach that screwed up. Whereas, on the other hand, yeah, they're trying to punish A&M for ripping on the selection committee last year publicly, it just looks very petty. So, you're going to lose uh, potential foil for upsetting brackets in other regions because they jammed in Texas and AM in in the bottom half of this Midwest region where they easily could have found other slots for them to go to. Now, again, I think it's going to be Houston the Elite Eight. I don't see much of a matchup that gives them trouble, but... The other half of that elite A draw, you know, it, it, to me, it just comes down to Texas or A&M. And again, that's one of those uh, you have to kind of think about your tournament pool because of the fact that I, you know, depending on who's the more popular pick, and it might just end up being AM If the general public catches on, that A&M seed is way too low, you might just get a bunch of folks uh, picking the upset, you might have a leverage play by taking Texas. So, it's a very delicate balance there, but uh, I think your Elite Eight matchup is Houston versus Texas or Texas A&M. And I still like Houston to move on to the Final Four uh, for the Midwest region. Again, been. A top team all year long, good coach, experience uh, in some of the key positions uh, in the backcourt for Houston. I I just look at that squad and say they have potential to win it all, and it makes sense. Like I can see the script for uh, Houston pretty clearly. A number of these other teams, I don't see it being there for them. But I think the second and third best teams are uh, Texas and Texas A&M. And they're in the bottom half of the draw. And A&M's misseeded. So someone's going to get knocked out very early when they should have been into the second weekend at least. So we'll see how the Midwest uh, shapes up. Uh, I'll give updates, uh, you know, based off of the playing games as well later on with a few subsequent episodes, but that's all I got for now, folks. You know, you may hate the chalk of Houston going through the Midwest, but it's tough seeing who's knocking them off outside of the elite eight matchup. And if you get the elite eight matchup, you know, all bets are off. You've scored well enough in the region as it is um, uh, to put yourself in a good spot. So, uh, that's all I got uh, for now, but uh,
1: until next time, have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all major outlets.